Blog Talk Radio. time with Pastor Steph. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. For this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So, where were you on Monday? Oh, we started on Monday, shaking the Monday morning blues with the Dukan crew. And um, we had our conversation. Hmm. All of this compliments in the sweet nothings our man wants to hear. And, you know, we had to throw it out to the ladies to see if they, you know, were handing out these sweet nothings and compliments. And we had to ask our brother Al if he was believing it. So the first one on the list was, I'm so lucky to have you. Mm. Well, absolutely. That is something that a man would love to hear. Who does not want to hear, you know, that, you know, we're blessed. We're blessed with, you know, your presence. I'm blessed to have you. You know, you know I don't use the word lucky. You know, lucky is chance. But if you're the person that God has put in my life, then I would be more than blessed to have you, right? Right. What else? Hmm. You're a great father. Well, definitely. Definitely a man wants to hear this because, you know, if the children say it, well, that might be a little... Mm, goal-oriented, I would like to say. And, you know, they may have something up their sleeve. But if a woman says, you know, that uh, you're a good father, then you could pretty much take that one to the bank. Because women generally don't say stuff like that if it's not true. No, no, no. Even to the degree where we're, we'll hear someone say, you know, he wasn't a good, you know, partner or wasn't a good husband, but he was a good dad, right? 
person, right? So that's just that's something that definitely a man wants to hear. Well, what about the one? Um, oh, you looking a little buff right there? You look a little six pack going on. Yeah, you know, Hercules, Hercules, as Pastor Charlotte would say. You know, there's a thought that you know we might be trying to soup him up to get him to to do something. And, you know, it might be true, may not be true. But, you know, the, the lady talked about, you know, when you open up that can, you know, that can or that jar, rather, and we've helped you already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but one of my favorites on the list, I'm listening. Yeah. That's one that's truly, truly, truly important. You know, I talked about that in my clothing, how men have complained about, you know, the women who don't listen. You know, I have to beg her. You know, I've told this story before about my friend who said, house is burning down, food was burning down. And he let it burn, 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 because he said he got tired of her not listening. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a big concern for men. You know, we have to think about the fact that on the outside, they're not really heard. On the outside, they have to fight. They have to fight. You know, for a lot of things to go the way they should go. And they should automatically go, I want to add. So, when they come home, they definitely don't want to have to fight you, you know, as the wife to do the things that really are important. And you know, they don't always want to have to talk to you about it. And definitely don't want to have to talk to you about it over and over and over again. You know what I'm saying? So, it's a very funny conversation, by the way. Yes, we had a good time. We had a good time. So, that's how our conversation went. Well, you know, we could not finish a Monday morning properly if we did not have the switch tip. Uh, which tip for this week was don't fear the one you follow and that was real interesting as you know you have to pay attention to this one you gotta pay attention to this one you know if you are following the enemy if you belong to the enemy then, you know, what are you worried about? You made the decision to follow the enemy. So what's the fear? If you serve God, then you should have a reverent fear. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. A reverent fear. Fear that says, you know, this is my creator. You know, I understand who he is, and 
you know, there may be some consequences for some things that I don't do correctly. You know, like your parents. You know, you don't want to feel your, feel your earthly parents, you know, to the degree that you don't want to go home. You know, stuff like that. Or your spouse, you know, you fear him or her, you know, you don't want to go home. That's not the type of fear that God requires or is interested in. So if we understood that relationship or the way that relationship is supposed to be between us and our Heavenly Father, then you could get that together. And, you know, for people who fear God in the incorrect manner, that's already indicated there's not a good relationship between the two because, you know, if you understood his love, you would understand that he says, and if you read your Bible, you would remember he said, I chastise those I love and I call my family. So then why would you fear him? So this one took a, you know, a little explaining for some people, and it made a whole lot of sense. So, we want to thank Shanti for that switch tip this week, and uh, that's how we spent our Monday morning. Well, yesterday was Independence Day, and I don't know about in your neck of the woods, but it's almost like... They went above and beyond with the noise making. Almost like at one point they were, they must be taking every firecracker in Queens and put it together and just lit it. And oh my goodness gracious, those bombs were loud. They were extra loud. So we just got thanks for our Tuesday with all the fireworks, and we came out unscathed. All right? All right. Well, today is Wow Wednesday. And being that we didn't have any show yesterday and we could not do my two cents, I am so happy to be back with you today, especially on a Wow Wednesday. I love to, you know, know that this is the height of the week where we let the ladies rule, yes. So I'm just trusting that Vivian has her socially conscious list loaded for us today as she always does. And I'm praying that all of you are ready to get this week restarted here. So go ahead and get that healthy breakfast. Go ahead and tell somebody that it's your time when Pastor Seth is on. And whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, don't go anywhere. Because we'll be like that. Hey, y'all. I'm Ashley Barron, celebrity ambassador for the National Scleroderma Foundation. Imagine your own body attacking itself damaging your skin, organs, and even threatening your life. That's what a disease called scleroderma can do to people. 
Join me, Ashley Barron, and others as we walk to help people with scleroderma find their best path at stepping out to cure scleroderma walk in person or virtually. To find your local walk, visit scleroderma.org backslash stepping out. I'm pushing through. I got a little headache, but I didn't want to leave y'all hanging today, so I'm here. Look at that dedication. Go, girl, as they (laughs) used to say on the living color. Thank you so much for thinking about us. Well, what you got for us today? And we're hoping that your headache feels better as you're talking. Thank you. Thank you. Today on Socially Conscious, we are starting off with the gun violence throughout the holiday weekend. So this was a weird one because not everyone got that Monday off. Some people had to work Monday, but then they got Tuesday off. But unfortunately, that did not stop the violence for the weekend. While looking for stories, there were so many headlines of death and violence like Man found stabbed to death in the Bronx, 13-year-old shot in Harlem Courtyard, deadly triple shooting in Osbury Park in New Jersey, 30 shot, three fatally in the weekend, gun violence across Chicago. So police say gun violence has claimed at least 10 lives and injured two dozens or dozens more across the country over the long holiday weekend. And this information I received, um, like, late evening last night. So the festivities were still going on. So who knows, maybe this these 10 lives grew in the last couple of hours of July 4th weekend. 
So the killings and injuries took place in the United States cities, including Philadelphia, Baltimore, Kansas, Texas, just all over the place. This is including our next story of the mass shooting that took place in Philadelphia this weekend. Reports say a heavily armed gunman went on an apparently random rampage on Monday that left five people dead and four injured. The suspect is 40-year-old Kim Brady Karaki, Karaker, who lives just a few blocks from the shooting scene. They say the gunman had an AR-style rifle, a pistol, a bulletproof vest, extra magazines, and a police scanner as he fatally shot four men and chased and killed a fifth one inside a house. Officers say they chased the suspect as he continued to fire and he was arrested in an alley after surrendering. So this actually marks the nation's 29th mass killing this year. It's reported that since 2006, there has been more than 550 mass killings reported in the United States. According to the numbers, over that span of time, at least 2,900 people have died and more than 2,000 were injured due to mass shootings in the United States since 2006. So it's really, really, really bad out there. Which brings us to our next story in the schools where educators are pushing for phones to be banned from schools again. They're saying that phones are a big distraction in schools. Obviously, children are getting phones at very young ages, and where it was once a problem maybe just in high schools, is now a problem even in kindergarten classes. Some have asked why not just enforce stricter no-use policies, and teachers have this to say. One teacher was quoted saying, first, policing phones use, policing phone use leads to power struggles that harm student-teacher relationships. Um, she said that most of her issues in class came from confiscating a child's phone or asking them repeatedly to put it away. She said she's been cursed out. She's had students run, um, leave the classroom without permission. Uh, she's had things thrown at her, so violent attacks, all because of phones. Teachers are also saying that it's not their job to police these students and their phones, that you spend way too much time policing phones, that you that time could be used teaching in the classroom. So we know that the increase in school shootings is a big reason as to why schools started allowing phones back in. So now we have this issue of what do we do? Do we ban the phones altogether? Do we make stricter rules as to how often the kids or when the kids can use the phones inside the schools? It's definitely a, a 
tricky situation. There's a lot going on in this nation where it would be helpful for the kids to have their phones in school just in case they need to call home and let parents know. You know, we've heard of a lot of stories here on It's Due Time with Pastor Steph alone of a lot of situations that were happening in the classroom, like the fight rings and all types of things that were going on that no one would have known had a child not pulled out their phone and recorded it. So it's definitely a tricky situation. Educators want the phones gone completely, but then that leaves a lot of room for people to do some things and no one would ever know. So I thought that that would make a great conversation for our listeners as well as our due time crew. What do you think that they should do about these phones in this year, 2023, going into 2024? So next we have another thing we can blame on the pandemic. So the pandemic has been linked to a lot of things, including the decline of mental health, increase in violence and death and murders. And now we can blame bad driving on the pandemic as well. According to numbers, crashes have claimed an estimated total of 42,795 lives in the U.S. in 2022. So just last year, 42,795 deaths. And this is according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. And they're saying this is an increase with over 6,000 more deaths looking back to pre-pandemic years and 2019. They're saying that although the number of people on the roadways decreased significantly during the pandemic, especially in those months where we were on lockdown, Unfortunately, the numbers of fatalities did not get that benefit. They're saying traffic fatalities experienced double-digit growth four quarters in a row beginning in the second half of 2020, and death rates haven't really improved since then. And here's what is to blame. They're saying that back when everyone was on lockdown, the open roads invited drivers to pick up some very bad habits. And the lack of police officers during the pandemic just made things worse. So major speed violations were up 20% in 2022 compared to numbers pre-pandemic in 2019. Now add that to the increase of people who have been caught drinking and driving, not wearing their seatbelts, and we have a recipe for disaster. They are saying that The way cars are being made is also a factor in vehicle fatalities. While newer vehicles sold today are typically safer to drive, the models from previous years, um, they're saying that the models these years are bigger, which is causing more accidents on the roads. So hopefully hearing this, this will increase the number of people who will drive sober and drive safe, drive the speed limit, because these um, vehicle fatalities are only going higher. The roads aren't empty anymore. You can't drive like you were possibly driving back when we were all on lockdown. And for some reason, people are just not realizing that. (laughs) So hopefully things will change now. So now we have our wild story of the week. 
J.P. Morgan Chase Bank is in the news as they are refusing to help a customer who lost $30,000 due to a mistake on their behalf. So Justin Lee says he lost $30,000 after a man with false identification and an incorrect social security number walked into a Chase branch and convinced the bank to hand the money over. So since the incident, Lee has spent over a year fighting to get his money back. Lee says Chase has done nothing to help and he won't get any assistance from the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporations either, which is designed to support depositors in the event of a bank's collapse. But the agency does not protect anyone due to a loss by fraud or theft. So for some reason, they're including that as fraud or theft. There was not much information given as to how exactly this happened, but Chase is making no moves to make it right. And that is absolutely insane. It's not like they went into his account and took the money, like, you know, over the web. This man was able to walk into the store with false identification and the wrong social security number and walk out with $30,000. And they do not want to give this man back his money. And that's a big mistake on their part. Even if the Social Security number was off by one digit, there is no way that this man should have been able to take that money out of his bank account. But this has been Vivian with Socially Conscious giving you the news that we are following. And remember, if you have any wild stories you would like to submit, please feel free to direct message me on Facebook. My username there is Vivian BM. And come back every Wednesday to find out if your story has been chosen. Thank you, as always, to our loyal listeners. And thank you, Pastor Step. Thank you, Vivian. Ah, we're uh, intrigued by this latter piece of information. Ah, thank you very, very much. And we pray you have a blessed day as well as feel better as always please hang around just in the event we need some clarification will do thank you thank you thank you and thank you all right well we have been talking at nauseam about the gun violence and uh Trying to drown me out. I'm sorry about that. Oh, yeah, we've been talking about this gun violence stuff at nauseum, and we are, you know, pretty much tired of that. And this is my first time hearing about this um, mass shooting in Philly. So I will let the ladies chat about that. Let's say good morning to our Elder Nitisha. Good morning, Elder Nitisha. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? 
I am well, thank you. I am well. How are you? I am good, thank you. I'm great, actually. Oh, that's great. That's great, and that's great. All right. So we've got this mass shooting in Philly where we had this random rampage. And, of course, they're always loaded with their, you know, uh, rifles, pistols, bulletproof vests, and all this other stuff. Well, here's a good thing. He was arrested. So there was no chance of him, you know, killing himself and not, you know, getting um, off that way, you know, at least from serving any time or anything like that. But this has been 550 mass killings this year. Am I correct with that? Did Vivian say that? I think she said 29 this year and 500 and something over uh, since 2006 or something like that. But 29 okay. this year. Wow. Uh, all right. What you got? What's on your mind when you hear all of this? So thank you for the clarification. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sad and definitely a reminder. We have, like you said, talked in nauseam about the need for gun reform, um, for our policymakers to be held accountable uh, with every life lost. And I think uh, the truth is, uh, from the first mass shooting until now, it should be, you know, they should be held accountable for every life that has been lost due to the fact that they prefer to stand behind, stand your ground, as opposed to caring about the lives of people. As we see, you cannot control, no matter how much you think you are controlling, whose hands you're putting guns in. You have no control of their mental capacity or even when they're going to break. Just because they were normal, quote unquote normal, in 2016, 2017, when they got the gun, does not mean that they're going to, you know, continue to be insane or insane um, 2023 forward. So I think we really have to look at some type of gun laws and really become stricter with that, as well as making sure that we get guns off the street. Absolutely, absolutely. This is, somebody has got to be held accountable. This is this is crazy. This is crazy. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Let's say good morning to our lady, Tamika. Good morning. Good morning. I am happy to be on, thankful for a day of rest, uh, grateful mm-hmm. just to be able to be in the land of the living as we're listening to all of these lives that are being expired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what do you say for, you know, this, uh, you know, we're at the 29th and we are halfway through the year now. There's just no appreciation for life, you know. Um, we've often talked about how the disposition of people is just 
entirely different. You know, people can con- unglue so quickly, you know, and when we're saying that this thing is random, um, you know, you, you could have gone to work that day and somebody or something that had nothing to do with the people that you um, uh, took the life out of. You just decided, okay, now is the time that I'm just going to go out there and start shooting, you know, and chase somebody down until they're gone, you know, and I guarantee you these people had nothing to do with what you're dealing with. Um, And that's a really, really sad fact, you know, and and the fact that lives are being expired so quickly, you know, I I think about, I was saying to myself, um, I was going to watch the news, uh, usually in the morning, I watch the news. And the first thing that came to my mind, I wanted to see how many people, you know, how many shootouts had happened over the weekend. And, and the sad part about that is when you think about it, ultimately, it's like now you've getting, you're getting to the point where you're used to people getting shot on the holiday. And that's really, really sad that you're comfortable, not, you know, not even comfortable, but the fact that you know that it's going to happen, you know, and yes. I get it that you can't predict where it's going to happen, but the fact that you know, okay, well, this is a holiday, somebody died today, and that's horrible. Mm-hmm. Like you said, now it's the it's not the exception, it's the norm. And that that there mm, I don't know, this is this is a sad norm, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. Exactly. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Our uh, Minister Michelle is not with us this morning, so we have our girl Shantice. Good morning, Shantice. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you, ladies? Yes. Well, thank you. Well, doing thank well. You. Ah, so we've got this mass shooting in Philly. Not the exception anymore, as the ladies have reminded us. What comes to your head this go round? The same thing, I actually just had this conversation with someone the other day. I forgot what we were talking about, like, in particular, but it was in regards to the shooting. And I said, again, it's because the people who are selling these guns, providing these guns, are not held accountable nor liable for when people are careless with these guns. Again, if they were to have the dram shop laws like they do for the people who sell the alcohol, the customers who then leave and go kill someone in a hit and run or something like that, it should be the same thing with this. And even last night, like late last night, when you hear the fireworks, fireworks were going off in the front and in the back of the house. And then out of nowhere, all I heard was pop, 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 pop. And I was like, nah, that was a gun. That was the no fireworks. That was somebody just straight shooting. And I'm like, wow, okay, I'm kind of happy I didn't go outside tonight because, unfortunately, you just don't know what to expect from who because already the fireworks are kind of illegal. So now in addition to you, you know, people spending up to almost $500 to almost get in trouble if the cops pull up on your block while you're setting these fireworks off, you have to worry about people with guns. And because sometimes you can't even differentiate the sounds from either one. You don't know who you're sitting next to or what they 
they finna have pop off. Or you finna shoot a gun or the fireworks. You don't even know. But it, it's because the, the, the people who are selling the guns are not being held liable for the carelessness that's taking place. That's how they continue to be able to get their hands on these guns. And the people who are selling the guns just continue to make their money and they carry on the next day and do it all over again. Because there's no penalty. Yeah, it, it it has to be, you know, you know, strip the gun laws are like, are we even talking about that anymore? Because clearly mm-hmm. they're not doing any of that. But again, even, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, even at the highest level, what do you do? And that's the saddest part because all of this is allowable. They have done nothing, whatever couple of, extra steps that they've put into place, you know, like it was said, it doesn't have any, it does not anticipate later on if you were to become mentally unstable. So like with the mom with the, when they asked on the app, you know, did she have, did she smoke weed? Really? And she said no. So now they want to snag her. For that, and now, what do you do with people like this who who have these, you know, assault rifles, and they're actually now using them on live to take live? That's not what it was purchased for. So now, mm-hmm. what are you being charged with? And for those who are in charge of these gun laws, why 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 isn't there something that can happen to them? I don't know. It's just, I'm, I'm at a loss, actually, because it's like, what do you do? What do you really do? This is it's getting worse and worse because it's surely not slowing down. Here's an interesting, interesting, I'm going to come back to the next story. I'm going to kind of jump ahead. Here's an interesting uh, piece of information we got from Vivian this morning. <sighs> the the uh, bad driving that they're associating now with the pandemic. And, I mean, almost 43,000 deaths from 2022. I hope I got that number right. And they're saying that, you know, the fatalities, excuse me, have increased, and that's due to, you know, the uh, DWIs and, you know, they're saying that the newer vehicles are bigger and cause worse accidents. And I'm sure between the four of us, we could think of several other things and reasons why, you know, the uh, fatalities have increased when it comes to this driving issue. Uh, Lady Tamika, would you add something else to this list? <laughs> Lack of patience, uh, mm. you know, um, driving too closely. Um, mm. I was almost in an accident over the weekend um, because someone just didn't want to wait, didn't see a, a truck on the left-hand side of us and literally swerved in front of my car. And at the time, I, you know, if I hadn't slammed on brakes, it really would have been an accident. And it would have in, impacted not just me, but two other cars because it would have shifted my car into another car. 
you know. And so just the lack of patience, like wait a couple of seconds. You know, I've seen people swerve in front of another car, and it has to be, you know, God, you know, to, to get that person to realize, oh, shucks, I'm almost in an accident. You know, uh, people just don't, I, I mentioned earlier, people come unglued really, really quickly, you know, and lack of patience. You know, we understand that rush hour, rush hour, it, there's a reason for rush hour. Everybody's trying to get home. Can you wait two minutes? You know, can you wait a couple of seconds while this thing transpires? You know, accidents transpire, road rage. Oh, it is horrible. Like, you know, people are cussing you out. You know, um, I just had a, a dear friend of mine, literally, someone took a gun out and, you know, threatened her and her children in the car simply wow. because he wanted to get back. So, like, like, when I say people are coming unglued, they are coming seriously unglued. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Oh, well, definitely those are on the list. Shanti, in addition to those things and the couple of things that Vivian mentioned, what else have you seen, you know, is responsible for these accidents or, or deaths? Driving while high. And it still amazes me. How you legalize weed, but then you think you're going to man people not being high while driving when you can't even man people being drunk while driving. It is still amazing to me. So now you have the people with <clears throat> um, who are drunk behind the wheel. Now you got people who are high behind the wheel, and now this helps to feed into road rage and impaired vision and um, your reflexes not being as on point as you so your defensive driving is whack because you have no reflexes, you're not paying attention the way you need to. I don't know how you think you're going to be able to look straight plus do your quick three-second mirror checks while you're driving plus drive for others because driving is all about driving for everyone else on the road. Yeah. And it is a very challenging task when you have gotten your proper eight hours of sleep and when you are a calm person. So I don't know how angry, sleepy, drunk, and high people think that they're going to get this done successfully. I just don't understand. So in addition to everything that was being said, what I have noticed is that a lot of these fatalities and accidents and we've been passing a lot of accidents lately, and, of course, it's been with a lot of younger people. Um, and it's not only with these stick shifts anymore, because I can't stand those stick shifts, but that's just a reason for you to speed. Um, we've just been passing a lot of accidents while driving lately. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it just looks like, you know, it could be because, oh, there's nothing wrong with me lighting this blunt real quick while I'm driving. And it's... This is really, it's still amazing to me how they really think they're going to have all this control while giving people permission to do this. Absolutely, absolutely. Ah, Elder Natisha, what can we add to that list that the ladies have made? I think uh, an important element um, of what is actually going on today causing all of these accidents is that people don't even really know the driving rules anymore. I think either right. you are a seasoned, a seasoned driver and you, you know, have forgotten what some of the rules are, 
And then you have these younger people who just don't care about those rules. <laughs> Once they get their license yep. and pass the five-hour course and pass that permit test, they throw the rules right out the window and go ahead mm-hmm. on about their business. Because it never ceases to amaze me why we pull up on each other so close. I'm like, what is this about? Is it, there's a rule mm-hmm. that says that you are supposed to be a specific amount, like I think it's two feet from the car in front of you, uh, you know, something to that nature, a couple of feet from the car in front of you. People pull up almost bumper to bumper to the person in front of them to wait at the light. Mm-hmm. And, and, that's, and, and what I've seen happen so many times is that if someone hits them from behind, they don't have any rolling room. They immediately yeah. slam, slam into the person in front of them. So I think it's also speeding in the rain. No one remembers anymore oh. that you're supposed to put on your lights in the rain. I see oh. people all the time. It is pouring outside, and they don't have their lights on so that people can oh. see them through the haze and through the, the rain. So I think also people just aren't adhering to the driving rules and regulations. They don't understand what yield means anymore. People are blowing Mm -hmm. right through the yield sign. So yield is the caution, slow down, and they are just blowing right through that sign. They don't stop at the stop sign no more. It's a rolling stop. (laughs) You know, it's just, I, I really think that that's a big cause of concern. People are not obeying or even know. I question whether they even know the driving rules and regulations. Well, I I have to agree with all of you ladies. And the first thing that comes to my mind is they don't care about the rules and regulations because one of the first rules and regulations is you need credentials to drive. And that right there. Oh, that's a new thing right there. Oh, that right there is a monster. So when you don't even have credentials, my first thought Mm -hmm. is you don't know any rules because you're out here just Mm -hmm. driving. You did not bother to take a test, and the rules change on a consistent basis. I remember when my girls were learning how to drive, and I told them, I said, don't, don't let anyone teach you how to drive. Go to the school, because they have the most up-to-date rules from and the traffic laws. People teach you how to drive. They teach you their bad habits. So, you know, a lot of times people are jumping behind the wheel. They don't have credentials. So, therefore, you know, there was no opportunity for them to have to read a book or whatever to do or go online or however they're getting all the, you know, the rules and regulations and the laws these days. So, you know, and then you add on a lot of the other stuff that you all said, lack of patience, um, you know, just not caring. You know, I, I never understand. I cannot stand when someone drives right behind me as well because that's the first thing I think. If I have to stop short because of anything, now you're, you know, now you're ramming me because you have left no room. So these, all of these things that have been, listed here between Vivian as well as the rest of us, all of these things add to these thousands and thousands and thousands of deaths. You know, the lack of, you know, concern that you're impaired. 
some of the stories we've done here, the lady was driving literally through the parking garage looking for an exit, and she drove down the steps, you know, because she had been drinking. <laughs> so it's like no concern. Yeah, it's crazy. It's no concern about the fact that you are impaired. And they also say, say that, you know, sleepy driving is just as bad as drunk driving. So all of these things add to fatalities and accidents and things like that. So, you know, when when we really add up these so many things, and it ain't got nothing to do with nobody's pandemic. So, you know, for everything, because they were always real of the car. Just since then, it's got nothing to do with the pandemic. So, you know, that, that there was really interesting to me when Vivian uh, gave us that particular uh, information. Here's one that I really want to know what you ladies say. As, excuse me, as Vivian said, this is opened up to the floor. So the educators are pushing for the phones to be banned altogether again. And they're saying even even the problem stems from kindergarten. So we're no longer talking about the high schoolers, not even the junior high schoolers, not even elementary, the babies. You know, and they you know, the one of the teachers or the educators brought up some really, really interesting and accurate information. Confiscating these phones um is dangerous. Is dangerous, is risky, is chaotic. We've done stories here where all kind of chaos broke out because of these phones. And they're like, we're not here to police phone use. We can't teach because of the phone issue. So the question on the table is what do you do? How do you move forward with all of this? Shatis, what what's your vote? Oh, hold on. Ooh. Oh, what's your vote? Yes. My vote is to be alert with the students who are using their phones, you know, because it, it is a really good point. Unfortunately, with all of the craziness, that's not only going on um, in, you know, in the school. So we know for the most part, kindergartners are not traveling to and from schools alone. But you also now have to be concerned with, the students who are old enough, you know, some late elementary, early, you know, junior high school, high school students who are traveling to and from school as well, that they need their phones in case of emergency. But just penalize the ones who are traveling with their phones. That will put pressure on the parents to make sure that they take the time to teach their children when it is time to pull their phones out and when it's not. My niece is eight. She takes her phone to school with her. I have yet to hear a complaint from a teacher that she's using her phone or the teacher even sees the phone when, you know, during school hours or when they're not supposed to. You know, now she be, you know, hounding us like she rules us when it's time to pick her up. If she has to be picked up at 5 and it's 4.58 and we ain't here, she's calling us. Um, excuse you, I'm on my way. You know, but that's in after school. You know, after school, you know, they play and they, you know, can have their iPads and whatever out. But it'll it's also on the parents to teach their children 
when it's time to take your phone out and when, you know, the teacher should be oblivious to the fact that she even has a phone. So my vote is just penalize the, the students who are using their phones when they're not supposed to. Because to ban them altogether, unfortunately, is not safe to just say they can't have their phones with them. All righty, all righty. Uh, Elton Akisha, what say you? I mean, I think it is a very complicated issue because because of the climate in which we live in. Children having their phones with them um, really is a part of their safety. Um, I wonder if perhaps there can be some type of setting that is put, put on a phone that, you know, allows the phone to be operable from after school hours or prior to school hours, but still have the capability of making emergency phone calls. So similar to, mm-hmm. you know, placing, um, you know, loved ones, emergency 911 under favorites so that you can access and contact those people, you know, anytime you need to, but perhaps um, limit it to where they aren't, the phone isn't operable to some extent um, while they're in school, uh, you know, perhaps can be a, a, an option. But as we stated, unfortunately, because of the climate we live in, it's necessary for children, you know, of all ages to have their phone. There hasn't been any discrimination uh, around um, where mass shootings take place. They have taken place in elementary schools, middle schools, mm-hmm. and high schools, and colleges, universities. So um, a phone is a necessity at this point. But I do understand the frustration of educators, and I think we've all seen so many TikToks where these kids become hostile and violent about their phones. Mm-hmm. And if they're, having, if they're having a bad day and a teacher happens to say, hey, I need you off your phone, first of all, it's disrespectful. I'm sitting here trying to teach mm-hmm. you math so that you can right. pass the daggone um, test, so you can get past your SAT, so that you can get to the next grade and move on. And you got the nerve while I'm up here teaching to have your head down scrolling. Come on, that like that's disheartening for an educator. So I also, I feel the heart of an educator, the frustration, and I also can see how, you know, you just start making bad decisions because it becomes disheartening, disrespected, and dishonoring for someone to be standing mm-hmm. up there talking to you and you just got your head down in the phone. That's not nice. Absolutely. So something has to be done. I, I, we just don't know what it is. Absolutely, absolutely. Lady Tamika. Now, this is one of those situations where I have spoken uh, kind of ad nauseum to um, my husband who um, works in the school system. And we understand that our youth do need their phones um, because of all of the, the calamities that have transpired right in the schools. You know, there was a time when, Things can happen anywhere, but the last place that we ever thought about was schools. But now it's everywhere and every level of school, you know. And he often verbalizes how many times he walks past the classroom and and half of the children literally head down looking at, you know, whatever, you know. Um, And, you know, it's one thing when you're a teenager and you're looking at, you know, 
whatever, you know, world star, all kinds of crazy stuff that they're watching during school time. But we're talking about, you know, you just finished singing Baby Shark and now they're setting you on your phone, you know, which I think is really quite, quite difficult because, you know, I'm like, wait a minute, what is it that you really, at that age, what is it that, that you know, in, encapsulates your mind at that point, you know, especially in, in that age group, you know, you would want to put a phone away. But, you know, in this day and age, it's very difficult, you know, and um, Al has often, often mentioned when they get older, because they, they're used to having their phone, if you say put your phone down, put your phone on vibrate, put your phone in your bag, they literally can curse you out, throw things, you know, teachers, you know, and, and there's not that security for te- you got to have security in the classroom. You know, the security job, the security job is to ensure that the premises, the exterior premises, that nobody's coming in on the interior, not going into every classroom and sitting in with teachers. So, you know, how is it that you do it? You can't, you can't set the phone aside. Um, I think Al has mentioned that if you do stuff like that, then they consider it corporal punishment. So, you know, the, the sad part about it is the teacher's hands are tied. So what do they end up doing? They just go ahead and teach. And so then what ends up happening is your work is reflected by what you do. So if you have spent that last, what, six months, five months, however, how, however long your school ends, you know, and your education is not, you know, good, then you can't blame the teacher. You have to blame the child. Okay, so what was it that you were doing during class? Oh, well, I was sitting there um, watching my phone. That's why you don't know how to write cursive and you can't look at a clock, you know, so, you know, et cetera. And there's plenty of other things, you know. But, I mean, it's quite difficult. You know, what do you do? How do you do it? How do you maintain your classroom, you know, so, so that the, the, the child or school doesn't go awry when you start to reprimand a person who has their phone? Absolutely. This is, this is a real uh, tough one. My answer would be, Vivian just got finished telling us, I think it was last week, about the the uh, Chicago um, rule law with the uh, the gangs and guns and how they are holding the parents responsible. I say implement that mm-hmm. since mm-hmm. we technically child safety, you know, and we don't know, like you know, like it has been said, you know, you, thank God for the phone that gets pulled out when there's an incident. However, the parents eat some fines in some kind of way. The children, mm-hmm. uh, they have to, you know, suffer some consequence. It can't just be the educator's problem because when it becomes mm-hmm. the educator's, it now becomes a class problem because if I have to take mm-hmm. time away from you, to talk to you about your phone, that means that I can't teach anyone else either. So now, mm-hmm. as I said, it is very disheartening. You know, you, it, it's hard enough to keep these teachers motivated as it is. But as the rules are becoming non-existent, as the children are becoming more protected, let's now hold these parents accountable. When it, when it hits their pocket in any shape, form, or fashion, when they have to suffer the consequence, now mm-hmm. they get a So figure out a way that you can hold the parent accountable, hold the child accountable, and I bet you one thing, 
just as with the games and guns in Chicago, your stats will change. And don't budge from it. Make sure it's strict enough to get everyone's attention because, again, go back to the old school mama or father who said, I wish I would have to come up to that school for you. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing you just didn't want. You didn't want nobody showing up to that school for you. So if they were to now have that level of fear, then I, and, and, and that includes the parents having that level of fear, then mm-hmm. they could actually, I promise you, things would shift. Because we're, in a, we're really in a catch-22 situation. You can't really do much else than what we're doing. But if you shift those rules, yeah. Oh, yeah, somebody's going to wake up. So, you know, I phone away. It, it didn't have to go through that. It didn't have to do that at all. Oh. Now, we have this J.P. Morgan Chase for situation where we've actually talked about this before, and we've talked about the level of, you know, um, you know, assistance the banks will give when people have been frauded out of their out of their funds, well, this is this is some serious stuff here, and this is not the first time we've heard of this, but we this is the first time we've heard of it. You know, when it was blatantly someone's negligence within your company. You know, when you what's the point of asking for identification? If when these people provide it, it does not match, and yet here it is, they this this uh, customer has no protection. Ah, uh, Elginai Tisha. This that's absolutely ridiculous. That is ridiculous, and I, it's beyond my understanding as to why this gentleman has not been able to get any help. Um, I say. Um, he need hire an attorney or or an attorney would even take the case pro bono. Uh, this is absolutely the bank's fault because we've become, just as a society across the board, lackadaisical as it pertains to just verifying. What happens to verification as a necessity when you're going to give out that, that, that amount of money? $30,000 is not a small amount of money. That is a lot of money mm-hmm. for someone to just hand over and you not verify and triple verify. It should be that right. I'm going to send you an email, and when you respond to this email, and, and I'm Uh-oh. going to send you a text, and, you know, all those things we got to go That's through. Right. Just That's, because right. We try, That's right. Just because we're trying, to ch- we're trying to check the account to see the amount, we got to verify. I'm going to send you a code, and I'm going to send you an email just to even do that. So you yeah. need to tell me. That when you walk into the bank, it's made easier, and for thirty thousand dollars, like that's that that's that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It is absolutely their fault, and they absolutely should be held responsible. And come on, Chase, you got it. Thirty dollars, thirty thousand dollars is a a drop in the bucket for you. Pay that man his money, and you count it off as a loss. Yeah. You yep. you charge it off as a loss. You have insurance as a bank to cover such situations. Right. Why would you do that to mm-hmm. the average person? 
to the average person. It's that's ridiculous. He needs an attorney. I'll be taking this to the Supreme Court. We go to court. We go all the way up to the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, Lady Tamika, I'm just not. Ah, <laughs> I don't get it. You know, I I remember. Um, when my mother passed away, there were um, documentation that I needed to go into the bank to get her money out. When I tell you I stayed in that bank for six hours verifying who I was, my birth certificate, her death certificate, this, that, these, those, what other documentation. I had somebody with me. I had a neighbor with me. I had a relative with me to verify that I was who I was. And I, when I tell you I honestly stayed there six hours and people kept walking past me looking at it. And, and it made me nervous. I mean, I was literally frightful you know, of what was going to happen. And I was the right person. I was the right person. I was doing the right thing. I was taking the money out, you know, putting it into, um, uh, you know, so that I could handle her affairs and that type of thing. But it was grueling. And this person came in with wrong identification and the wrong social security number. Even where I work, I work for healthcare. If you come in and you verbalize the wrong social number by one digit, we can't, I can't service you. I'm sorry. And I don't have to tell you why. You know, I'm sorry. I can't service you. This guy came in with a social security number that wasn't accurate. And you still gave this. I just don't get it. Give this, I, I, I'm, 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 you know, waving a flag as well. Give this man his money back. That doesn't make any sense. So what, because it was too many, too much money, you won't give him his money back. You don't even give him an excuse. You made a mistake. You did it wrong. Give the man his money back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Shanti. My mind went to, as Vivian was talking, I was thinking about when I go. And for the record, I hate Chase Bank. So as soon as I heard Chase, I was like, this is why I don't have an account with them. From before they, what was their name before Chase? Wasn't some of the W's? Oh, some of the W. No, there was there was Chase, and then Wachovia, Wachovia, Wachovia. Yeah, yeah, it was something from what, yeah, yeah, from whatever their name was before Chase. I don't care what they changed. They continue. They named the Buffalo Wings, and for those who know me, they know I feel about my wings. I still ain't get no account with them, and they just keep showing me why I went. This okay. So when I go into a bank. I have my, as my grandmother would say, Debbie card on me. I just put my (laughs) Debbie card in the machine so I don't have to show my ID. But let's just say I don't have my Debbie card on me, right? I now have to show my ID. So I am a slim, dark-skinned girl with a bob on my driver's license. So let's say I hand that, that I am now a light-skinned chick with weave in person. So now the teller says, well, this don't look like you. It is me. No, it's not. It is me. Okay, what's the social? So, Shantisha's social is 9999999999. But because I'm the light skin chick with weave, I say my social number is 9998999999. All right, so how much you want to take out? What? <laughs> There's normally, normally, I don't have to give 
no social security number right. when I go right. into the bank to get my money. Right. So that tells right. me that you at so you are smart enough, which I still don't see if I don't look like, if you don't look like you on your driver's license, I'm immediately calling the cops. But for whatever fee, they was probably high on the job. You have having legalized weed. So now you see that this ain't me on this ID, so you need to take a further step that doesn't normally have to be taken if I need to take my money out of this bank branch. And even with that still not being on point, you still give somebody else my money. I don't want Chase's money. I want that teller's money. I want to take $30,000 from that teller. And then I'm suing <laughs> Chase. So, Chase, I don't want your 30000 I want more than 30000 from you for hiring this high, drunk, sleepy person. And then I want 30000 of their – I want to see it come from their account. So I agree with Elder Natisha. This has to go to the Supreme Court because I want to make sure I'm getting their money, the, the tellers. I want the teller's money, and I want Chase's money because I want Chase's money for making sure that I don't get my money, and I want the teller's money for being stupid because there, you never have to give your Social Security number in no bank branch to take out your money. So that shows you that from the jump something was off. How do you detect that something is off for your use? Still goof. Where does that happen? The whole the whole case needs to be shut down. Anybody who has a chase account needs to take their money out and go bank somewhere else. Listen, now at you at um credit unions, you don't need to be sponsored by someone else because you don't work or live in the area. Credit union accounts is open to everybody now. Your cat can get a credit union account. Get a credit union because this this is dumb. This, this is nothing short of stupid. That was stupid. And for this man to have to be fighting for this for more than after him telling this story to one rep, if I got to repeat this story more than once, I was going to have to go to the Supreme Court because now there's other charges. Now somebody, there's assault on somebody. Because <laughs> imagine you having to explain this story more than once. Imagine, imagine somebody stealing your money and you got to tell more than one person this story. This, this, this is dumb. Woo, boy, I know what to get you ladies, how to get you ladies fired up. All right, I got a question. So see, I'm going on the Pastor Charlene tips today. Who did you know in the bank to give you that $30,000? Because I agree with Shanti. When Vivian said that there was one number off, I said to myself, now, I bank in several banks. And I have never had to provide a Social Security card. Mm-hmm. Whatever I told you my number was, y'all were able to match it up with whatever you had, whatever the, the, the government provides. I never, and we just opened up another bank account. And I did not have to provide a Social Security number. So I'm like, Chantice, how did we get there? That you mm-hmm. didn't ask for a social security number. Because whatever number I gave you in the beginning was verified. So now I come in and I got one number off. That should shut the whole thing down. Because if I'm an adult, I know my social security number. Now, have y'all ever seen 
some, somebody say they got to go get their social security number to get the card, I mean, get the card to get the number. And I'm like, well, what kind of adult are you? How many times have you used your social security number? You can't even look at the card. I was like, well, wait a minute. Boy, your life must have been real brief. Where you been for the last 100 years? But that's my point. You have one number short automatically. The manager needs to be called. The this one needs to be called. Uh, called uh, 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 authorities because we got a potential fraud, and we need them standing by just in case when they ask them to provide other identification. Sir, ma'am, we need you to provide other verification because you, this is questionable right now based on the amount of money you want to withdraw. If you want to do withdraw $1, from this bank account, you need to have other sources of, of, of identification that match what this bank has. And they do it all the time. They ask you for another uh, credit card or they ask you for anything. Listen, I want them ask you for a benefit card, something that says you are who you are. Okay, so yeah, this, this here, this was some internal issue. And now they are back. Here's, they're backing them up. They're not providing who made this goof. But here is the saddest part. When you go into the bank, they always tell us to watch that they are FDIC insured. Where's the protection coming from? So even if the bank goof, some teller goof, whatever happens, where is my insurance and assurance? that I can get my money back for their goal. You have this big sign hanging up in the in the bank that they're insured. Well, guess what? That means I'm insured. So yeah, I, I'm with I'm I'm with all of you who say, no, we go we we're gonna be on TV, we're gonna be on satellite in another country. By the time we finish now hundred and ninety three countries gonna hear about this one case with Chase if they never heard of Chase, Chase Bank before they didn't heard of Chase Bank now that they won't be able to open up no other bank in, in, in any other country because we shutting the whole thing down. This is horrific that somebody should have to argue for their money based on a, a, a human, human error. So, yeah, I'm with the rest of you. I'm with the rest of you. Shut it down, shut it down, and shut it down again. We got me, my family, my church and the block, and, and everybody around us, including the bum, opening and closing the door, we're going to have our picket signs out. That's it. Shutting it down. Shutting it down. Oh, ladies, 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 thank you so much for indulging me in our socially conscious segment. And interestingly enough, we've got our topic some non-negotiables for life. So we've already heard one. <laughs> Don't let the bank get away with stealing your money and not giving it back. But we're going to add some additional ones to that list. Well, the first one says a non-negotiable is we're not we're going to seek God, not seek sin. Lady Tamika, you got the first leg on this round. Seek God okay, and I, I did. Seek God and I didn't hear the the latter end of that. I'm sorry. 
It's okay. Not sin. Not sins. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Um, yeah. You know, um, God is all and he is everything. Um, the, the fact that there's all kinds of craziness out there, um, tells you, you know, that now is the time that we need to seek God for everything. Um, preceding your day, you know, before you can even put your feet down on the ground, God, please help me, you know, um, help my thoughts, help my actions, help my deeds, um, you know, guide my, my, my actions and reactions, help me to seek you in being proactive. That means that before something goes awry, that I've got you, you know, and, and knowing and assured that you have me, you know, and, and guarding me so that I won't sin, so that I won't act unseemingly, and so that um, my life follows yours. All right, all right. Shantice, we're talking about some non-negotiables in life. Seek God, not sin. This is on you, not God. Yes, this is on me to do the work that it takes to do my part in making sure I abstain from feeding my flesh, feeding into the ungodly thoughts and making sure that I'm showing God that I'm really with fighting to make sure that I'm on point with him and for him. And like Lady Timika said, it starts from the second you open your eyes from that point, you have to decide who you're going to follow. You know, are you going to follow yourself or are you going to follow God? Are you going to trust God to navigate your day or are you going to try to wing this day and try to make all the decisions and move on your own? Because if you choose to follow him, then there's a whole lot less mistakes that you're likely to make throughout the day, which means you're likely just your sin radar will be a whole lot lower <laughs> Then when you wake up and saying, I'm just doing it myself, or I'm going to just do what feels good, do what makes sense to me. So in order to seek God and not sin, you have to make the choice every day, baptized or not. You have to make the choice to follow God today. All righty, all righty. L tonight, Tisha, non-negotiable. Thank God, not sin. That's absolutely a non-negotiable for the believer, right? The word of God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. And my interpretation of that scripture really is to uh, direct our efforts. Where are you going to put your efforts? The truth is it takes effort to sin just as much as it takes effort to be obedient to God and to go after the things that you want, but through the perspective of God, through the perspective of God. And I think that, one, it takes you further. It allows for you to get there quicker. Uh, instead of you putting in all of this effort, getting nowhere, it's like being on a stationary bike in life, right? You're just exerting all of this energy, using all of this effort, but you're getting nowhere. It is easier for you. It is, it is profitable for you. 
to seek God, to do things God's way, to get to the places that you desire to get to. Because ultimately, you know, if your life is aligned with God, then the desires that you have come from God anyway. The things that you want, the things that you want to accomplish, the passions that you have, they were birthed in you by God. So would God not uh, be um, sovereign and would he not uh, aid you in accomplishing and getting to the place where you, you know, where you desire to go when he's the one who gave you the desire in the first place? So your efforts are best used in following God as opposed to sin. Sin leads you down a path of destruction. The Bible says that, um, that, that, that sin only leads you to destruction. The wages of sin is death. But the gift mm-hmm. of God is eternal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, ladies. Absolutely. Non-negotiable. Love God, not the world. Shanti. Ooh, non-negotiable, love God, not the world. I just came across the verse, I think it was yesterday, I think the day before, like, being in God, I'm paraphrasing, is being in the world is enmity against God. So there is no, oh, I can love the world and I can love God. There's no such thing because it's two completely opposite sides of the fence, and God tells us, you straddle the fence, I'm going to vomit you out. I'm going to spit you out. And I'd rather be, you know, struggling and, and facing these challenges to stay with him than to even envision him spitting me out. It's like, how do you get me back in your mouth? I, I can't, but you can spit me out. So you have to choose to really just follow him because you have to really understand that when you say not, okay, God, yes, you have me in this world because you're teaching me how to operate in you but be here. No, when you say I love the world, meaning I'm striving for worldly things. I'm striving to be accepted by You can't be accepted by the world and be accepted by God because there's two different lifestyles you have to live in order to be accepted by the world and be accepted by God. So there is no negotiating with that. There's a verse in the message version where it says, again, I'm paraphrasing, don't try to bargain with God. Tell God what it is that you want and you need up front. He'll address you, he'll correct you, or he'll confirm you. But you can't bargain with him. you got to be straight up. Y'all see in these streets, you got to be straight up. There's no bargain with it. you either going to give your life for the streets or you're going to give your life for God. So there's no negotiating. All righty. Lady Tamika. Love God, not the world. Non-negotiable. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, non-negotiable. Okay. Um, So the way that I look at that ideal is you ever taken one piece of medication um, and then you find yourself, oh, I need this. Oh, well, I need this to combat that and I need this to take care of that. That's what happens when we live this life and we choose sin over God. So you're always trying to fix this. Oh, I got this, but I need this, and I need this, and I need that. However, God gives it all to us freely. Everything that we could ever need, everything that we can ever fan from, and it's good stuff. It's good for us. 
It's good for those that are around us. It's good for our children. It'll bless those that we come in contact with. It'll bless strangers. And it's contagious. And not to the degree that it will cause harm, but that it'll bless everyone that you come in contact with. Mm, Amen, ladies. Amen. Mm. A non-negotiable. Believe God. Not the deceiver. Elginai T-Show. I think it's all in the title. <laughs> the deceiver. <laughs> you will be, Absolutely. Believe is a deceiver will have you deceived. It's going to, again, lead you down the path of nowhere. It's like walking into a room, right, what looks like a room, but actually has a drop down when you walk in. It's, it's walking into a closet that's a brick wall when you open the door. It's, it's, it's the perception of a thing without all of the benefits. <laughs> it's, 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 it's promises that are empty when you follow the deceiver. It's painting a picture before you that looks one way, but in actuality, when you dig behind it, you find out that it's something else. And so the truth to the matter is, is that it's a non-negotiable to really just follow God and to do things God's way because God is not a man that he shall lie, nor the son of man that he shall repent, meaning that his promises are his promises. They are yea and amen. There is no deception in God that when God says he loves you, he loves you. When God says he is for you, he is for you. When God says favor is upon your life, then favor is upon your life. When God sets a door before you and says, walk through that door and prosperity shall be yours, promise shall be yours, ministry shall be yours, purpose shall be yours, you can trust God at his word. And so it is a non-negotiable for any of us who are believers to really trust God and understand that Satan is a liar and everything that he presents is a lie. It's a falsity. All right. All right. Lady Tamika, believe God, not the deceiver. Absolutely. You know, and and you get the raw deal automatically, you know, um, in, in knowing that, you know, you, you get to a point, you know, the enemy always has that something, you know, oh, it'll dangle in front of you. And then you go, oh, well, I hadn't bargained this. I hadn't bargained for this. And I hadn't bargained for that. And that's worse than what I, I would have been better off if I just stayed where I was, you know. And so there's always that, that, oh, well, I get this, but you get far worse than what you started with. So why would you even want to go to that avenue? You know, I, I mentioned before, you know, there's all good stuff for God. You know, um, even that thing that you unforeseen, you say, oh, well, I didn't, I, I, with God, when you say, I, I didn't expect that, but it far exceeds what your imagination is. It's a blessing to those in your life, those that you come in contact with, and, and um, even your future. You know, those things that you don't predict, God already knows, and he does it for your good. Amen, amen, and Amen. Believe God not to deceive Ashanti. Well, we have to remember that the deceiver already lost. He already lost his battle. So he's trying to get you 
to lose with him. So when he tries to whisper in your ear to get you to do what you're already considering, he's just there to help you carry your thoughts and those bad intentions and motives and plans out. You have to remember, like, so I'm going to listen to and follow someone who already lost, you know, versus, again, continuing to strive to follow the one that's going to have me set up better, you know. And and something that keeps coming to mind, too, is a lot of times all these things that we want to do and God is saying, don't do this and this is why, or you don't want to do this, but you shouldn't, this is why. All the things that God is preventing us from doing is bad for us anyway. And when you realize that, when you allow God to open your eyes to that, when you realize how silly you are for even wanting to listen to yourself half the time, (laughs) how you deceive yourself, and now you're listening to the ultimate deceiver, and it's like, now nah, you trying to help me to get to the point of no return like you. I'm good. So if you allow God to help you to see it for what it really is, it would be a lot easier to listen to him than listen to someone who's already lost. Mm. Amen. Amen. All right. There are three left. And they all kind of overlap. I'm going to give each of you a separate one. Obey God, not your appetite. Lady Tamika. Ooh, that's a good one. You know, and we're not just talking about the the food that you eat. Although in some instances that can get you in trouble. You know, your appetite. That entails what you eat, what you think, what you look at, what you read, what you expose yourself to. Um, Those things are all around us all day long. And the choices that we make is what uh, can depict how our our lives will flow. You know, and this is, again, another reason why prayer is so essential, because there's all kinds of things that are all around us. And we need God to help us to make that right decision. You know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to eat this one thing that's going to cause damage to my physical body. I don't want to read that type of book that's going to cause damage to my spiritual body. I don't want to get involved with a relationship with an individual that's going to cause damage to my mind, to my mental, to my emotional, to my physical. I don't want to spend money on that item that's going to keep me in debt. All of those things play a role. And so you don't need to be attached or attracted to your appetite, but lean and veer on God because he will guide you and direct you in all your paths. Amen, amen, and amen. Shanti, serve God, not self. Don't feed your flesh, because again, it only leaves Romans 8, 5. I have to put that on my memory verse list, but it speaks about, you know, when you're, um, well, 8, 5, and 6. When you focus on feeding the Holy Spirit, that equals peace and life. When you focus on feeding your flesh, that only equals death. So, again, it's going to take you down. It's going to take you to where, you know, the enemy is. And we understand that as long as we have breath in our body, we have the opportunity to repent. But why continue to feed yourself and dig yourself into a digger hole 
because you're still going to have to put in a lot of the work. You know, you're not going to dig yourself into a hole and ask God for help and then you expect him to do all the work, you know, by himself. You know, you're still going to have to do it. And a lot of times we don't understand a lot of the grunt work that we have to do. It's a whole lot easier to dig yourself into that hole than to pick yourself back up. So you have to understand the the detriment that you put yourself into when you think of how you're feeding into these things that you have no business doing any anyway or when you should be doing something and you're saying, no, I'm not going to do, how that in itself continue, continues to help you dig yourself in a deeper hole rather than when you feed yourself, when you see the Holy Spirit, the fruits that it produces. Because either way, you're going to produce fruit. So what type of fruit are you producing? The fruit that's going to equal to death or the fruit that's going to help to prosper you? All right, amen, amen, amen. And Elder and I, Tisha, worship God, not comfort, the last non-negotiable. Oh, Sorry, I was talking to you. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, comfort, uh, I think, is also a, a, another form of deception. Uh, nothing that's worth uh, having comes without some level of discomfort. Uh, even if you're desiring to lose weight, if you're desiring to gain muscle, if you are desiring uh, uh, to move forward in your spiritual growth with God, it is going to require some discomfort. A part of carrying your cross <laughs> involves discomfort. Telling your flesh no, being countercultural, all those things will cause discomfort. Telling your flesh no, changing your mind about things. There's a, 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 a way that, you know, you probably were brought up that you later on realize is not God's purpose and will for your life, and even if it was good advice, even if it was good information, you come to find out that it's actually not what God wants for you, and so now something that you've been raised to believe or some values and some morals that you've always held high, that anger, that feisty attitude, that we often say, oh, I get that from my grandmother. My grandmother was feisty. I get that from my auntie. We tell it like it is. But the Bible tells us to be meek and mild. The, uh, it doesn't mean that we have to be pushovers. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't mean that, that we're not able to be direct when we need to be direct, but we are seasoned with our words. Our words are seasoned with wisdom. And so we don't just tell it like it is. We speak for the purpose of impact and effectiveness. We're not impulsive with the way that we communicate and the way that we move. All of that requires discomfort. Our growth requires discomfort. And so don't, don't, don't seek comfort because the moment you're comfortable, the moment you're no longer moving forward, the moment you're no longer growing, the moment you are not um, maximizing your full potential, if you are comfortable, you're not maximizing your full potential. So that is when you should absolutely be seeking God the more so that you learn to be comfortable in discomfort because discomfort is the place of us growing and looking more and more like Jesus. 
Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you so much, ladies. Job well done. And I really appreciate it. We really appreciate your contribution into today's conversation. And we pray you have a blessed day. Thank you. You as well. Have a blessed day, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's the top of the hour on a Wednesday morning, and you know what time it is. It's that faith over fear time. Good morning, Pastor Charlotte. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? How are the ladies and all the listeners today? Amen, amen. Very well. Thank you very well. So, Pastor Charlotte, on this list of non-negotiables, Fear God, not men. What you got for us today? Absolutely. First of all, you want to honor God and his reverence of when people be like, oh, we're supposed to be scared of him. No, we reverence him because we love him. We want to do the right thing. We want to be able to be in his presence and being able to know him for ourselves because a lot of times we go through a lot of people have come through because of their grandmother, uh, come through because of their mother of of being of knowing God, not knowing them for themselves, but knowing them through someone else. And he wants us to have that relationship with him and knowing him for ourselves, right? And so, therefore, we are fear of what a man to say, and we want to honor what they say. Like growing up as us as kids, um, it shows where that, how when we are children and our parents tell us to do something and we all think about not doing it because we know that back in the day, everybody will beat you, right? Of somebody who didn't know you, right, will have something to say about it. Take you home. Now you're getting a beating, whatever, right? But we are feared for someone not to see what we are doing. But we forget, uh, so they say, that God is watching us. He sees everything. He knows everything. He knows our thoughts, right? So, therefore, we don't have no fear in God, but we are fear man, which is totally non-negotiable, <laughs> right? So, therefore, we should fear and know that God is watching us and pleasing him and not man, not even ourselves, because we will stumble and fall into a place where that we have to have, a, first of all, you have to have a made up mind that I am serving God and want to serve God and want to please God. That right there should be non-negotiable. I want to please God. I want to do the right thing. I want to live right. So if you have that mind made up, then you're able to feed uh, your spirit with that, you know, to stay on the path with the Lord. But a lot of times we so busy want to please the pastor, right? We so busy want to please um, people within the church house, right? So with that, we take our minds off of what is pleasing God. And one of, that is one of the biggest issues that we have is we go back to where we belong, going back to asking God to help us, even when we fall. I was listening to when we were saying about how we 
take, you know, and we don't stay in the right place. Let me say it that way. I was listening to someone talk about that before, and they were saying how I try to do my best, even in Romans 7, right? You're talking about I try to do the right thing, right? Paraphrasing, trying to do the right thing. But, you know, sin is always around. I'm always around. My mind is always around. Right. So that's what we do, because, you know, I want to stay over here with the church people, but then I really want to hang out with the people that I was at the club with. But you've got to be able to make that decision on where do you want to stay? And one of the things is because, oh, girl, come on, we could go. Ain't nobody going to see us. Oh, come on. So I'm going to please her, my friend, and do these things when I know that I should not be here. Because I could slip and fall sitting at the bar. I could slip and fall, you know, going by, standing outside, thinking about I should go in that liquor store. I should go get a drink. I should do this instead of staying with the Lord and seeking him. And that's where we go to because we're always trying to please man, please our children, please other people. No, please God. And when you please God, now you're able to get that soul that's watching you to be able to come on over to the right side where that we're able to give God the glory, where that we're able to and don't waver. And a lot of times that's what we do as well. We waver it within our own self, fighting against our own self. So we have to make it up, have a made up mind and feed your spirit healthy, stay in the word, being able to call on the Lord in those dark places. You know, and being able to be guided and where you're able to know, trust in God. Trust him. He will pull you through it. No matter what it looks like, trust him. No matter what it feels like, trust him. No matter what people say, and that's the part, because the enemy knows he's going to try to call, have someone call you, tell you something in the mix, so where that you will turn from God. And sometimes it'll be like that one day, like somebody will say, you know, I don't need to go, I don't need to go to church today. Then that that day, Sunday, Sabbath day, whatever day that you worship, that it'll turn it from one week to two weeks to five weeks to not going back. So we do listening to ourselves, listening to other people, because somebody's going to say, you don't need to go today. And that's where we mess up at instead of knowing what, what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to do it. So we just stay focused into the Lord and not being able to deter our own minds and keep stayed on God. Then call on, call on him. Call on him. I know so many people right now, is you need to call on him. Call on him. He never fails. And know that he is watching us. So don't please man. Don't please self. Be able to know that you want to please God in all that you do, all that you say, everywhere that you go. Because there is a soul in everything that we do that needs to hear your voice and needs for you to be able to guide them in the right direction. Because it's so easy for us to show them the wrong when we need to show them the right. That's my faith over fear today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Charlotte. Thank you so much. We thank you for your contribution into today's conversation. And we pray you have a blessed day. 
You do the same and everyone else as well. God bless you. Thank you. You too. Um, we're going to take this opportunity to hold hands and hold hearts and go before the Lord. Mm-hmm. Our God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. We thank you, God, for all that you have done for us, even in today. <laughs> When you woke us up with brand new tender mercies, we have so much to be grateful for. Just today. And we don't count anything but today. You've been so merciful and so kind, and we, we really want to take this opportunity to say thank you, God. We thank you for all that you have done to bring us to this point in our life. And we thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for just keeping us through it all, God. You know, we. We, we got from Vivian all of the deaths and the injuries. And, God, how great and wonderful you are that we're not on those lists. That we're not a part of those statistics. You're a keeper, God, in so many ways. And we want to say thank you to you because you never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you to Heavenly Father for just being a part of today's conversation, that we could minister under your banner, following what you have given, following your word, and and just applying it to everyday life, helping people get through some of the toughest spots in their life, God, that you've helped us. And now your spirit allows us to help everyone else. So we thank you, dear Heavenly Father, that you even woke us up today with us on your mind, imparting into us everything that we give. Nothing we have is not given from you. And we have to say thank you to you, God, for just being at a point where these things are just non-negotiable. There are non negotiables in our life to Heavenly Father because a lot of a, a lot of others there's just no limitations. Whatever happens happens because they only got one life to live. But we thank you God for investing in us and teaching us better. Thank you to Heavenly Father for just expanding our 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 knowledge and understanding, expanding our wisdom that we can now take it and give it back. That we could see you have that reverent fear and we understand what it is that we need to do in order to show we love you. So we thank you again just one more time for how you've taken care of our loved ones, how you watched over us, how you've provided over and over and over and over again. We give you the glory and the honor, so rightly do your name. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We were supposed to do this particular topic on another day, and... You know, sometimes we, we get Vivian's news and we just don't make it. 
but today, you know, God's timing is, is, is always perfect. And as we were going through the non-negotiables, I realized how I've gotten to the point where there, it's just non-negotiable for me. Non-negotiable for me. And sometimes when you think of, when you look at yourself in comparison to what you hear, what you see, and you ask yourself, God, do I look like that? Do I sound like that? Am I living like that? You know, I, I, I need, if that's me in any shape, form, or fashion, I need you to snatch me up at my collar. I need you to grab that collar. And, you know, I, I just said that to God in the shower the other day when, I, you know, I was thinking about some things and just kind of assessing. And I said, you know what, God, I said, if you need to snatch me in my collar, then go ahead and do it. I don't care how much it hurts. I don't care how uncomfortable I am because I know that this is what you have for Stephanie because you're concerned about Stephanie. I'm not afraid for you to check me. You know, some people don't want to hear from God. You know, they go to, to church and say, oh, you know, the pastor stepped on my toes and he talked about me. Talk about Stephanie because if that's the way you're going to get my attention, in order for me to see me, then go ahead and talk about me. Go ahead and talk about me. I, I don't care because I need it. Because I'm watching the deterioration when a person does not want to hear things. I'm watching the deterioration when a person, when they don't want to be checked. And I've literally heard something, don't be checking me. And my, my question because well, who is checking you? All those people who, you know, it, they're not honestly being, they're not honestly able to check you because they don't have what God is giving. No, everybody can't check me in that manner because, again, the Bible tells you to watch your counsel. But I, I, I am so grateful to God that I have the Spirit of the Lord that helps with the discernment. And I don't have a problem when God has to check me sometimes. He checks me directly. And I got to tell you, I really don't get to people. People don't get to check me more often than God does. By the time they say that God, you know, he's asking me in my collar. By my collar, however you want to say it. And when I'm looking at these non-negotiables, I'm saying to myself, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I do have non-negotiables. Thank you, God, that I do have some things that when it comes to you, I'm not messing with. You know, when, when it says to love God and not the world. Have you seen the condition of this world? If you listen on Wednesdays by itself, you hear the condition of the world. And I, I, I can't understand how people are still, they claim Christ, but yet everything comes before God. Because there's several things here. Seek God, not sin. Fear God, not men. Love God, not the world. Believe God, not the deceiver. Obey God, not your appetite. 
you'll serve God, not yourself. Worship God, not comfort. Everything is putting God first. That's all this is. It's a list of how we can put God first. Is that your goal? Is that what you have decided to live by? And see, here's what I don't know if a lot of us understand. That's in, I mean, that's in everything. That's in absolutely everything. And, you know, I, I heard somebody say, well, God first and oh, yeah. Yeah, you can. Because it's a must. Because if you see, just like the ladies have spoken today, you see what happens when you don't put God first. They've all given descriptive as to what happens when you don't put God first. And I'm so grateful to God that I'm, I'm on this side of the fence, that I can understand what it means to put God first. Obey God, not your appetite. I think it was Monday I said, I've heard so many people say, he said, well, where's so-and-so in the conflict church? Was, oh, you know, they're home resting because they, they, they've been working all week. They're tired. And I just chuckled. And I say to myself, the same God who gave you this health and the strength to be able to get up and go to that job, the same God that provided the transportation, the same God that provided the job, the income, that's the God you rest on. So you take all your energy and you work for him, her, the company, the world. But when it comes to God, you need the rest. And I I just sat and I said, do you realize what you're saying? Do you really realize what you're saying? When we look at these things, it's just nothing but put God first. Put God first. Serve God, not yourself. When we think about how we put everything before God, my own desires, the things I like, the things that I don't want to do, the things that I prefer to do. And I know Pastor Charlene, Elton Atisha, you know, when you're counseling people or when you're going through Bible study and you and you hear <laughs> and you see things, it's like, I'm like, oh, I'm glad what I feel on the inside ain't showing on the outside. Because I tell you, people have you scratching your head. And they're like, wow. It's all about you. It's all about everything that you want to do, your comfort level. The things that make you feel good. And if we don't understand that that is the biggest lie, that you've only got one life to live, and that's, and this is what you, this is how you're going to spend your one life. If that's not believing the deceiver, just like Elder Matt teacher said, that that was self-explanatory just in the statement. The deceiver. When you hand your life over to the deceiver, you might as well just kiss, kiss it bye, 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 bye. Don't even look for it. Because everything you do 
as as it makes God unhappy. When you choose the world over God, and here's the thing. We choose the world in many ways. When we give way to fear, we destroy our life. We really, really do. We destroy our life in so many different ways. We cannot live. We cannot say we know God, we love God, we serve God, but we live in fear. That's the deceiver. The Bible tells us that God does not give us the spirit of fear. That's from the deceiver. That makes you believe that this is greater than your God. You can't live like that and serve God and make God happy. The two just don't make. So aren't you happy that God is such an amazing God that regardless of what we go through, regardless of how we choose and, and what we do and the mistakes we make, God is there. He is there. When he shouldn't be there, he is there. And I, for one, give God thanks. Because had he left me when I was a big, big, big mess, I'm just a big mess now. But when he, had he left me when I was a big, huge mess, where would I be? Where would I be? Where would you be? Are we willing to show God that he's made the right choice in giving us another chance? If that's what you're saying this morning, then make sure you you live a life of non-negotiables because that's the only thing that's going to save you when you put God first. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing up, and I want to thank my due time crew for always coming through big time. Thank you for hanging out with us and helping us do what we do. Please do not miss this opportunity to give your life to Christ right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen that relationship with the Lord right now because later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, God spares with Therapeutic Thursday. Until then, I love you. Mm-hmm.